Right to be Read podcast, episode number 60. Interview with Chandler Balch. You are listening to the Right to be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to be Read podcast. I'm your host, Annie Alexander, and I'm really happy to welcome you in the first day of the new year. Today is the 1st of January of 2015, and I wish that this year brings you joy and success and you reach all the goals that you have set for this year. And before we start, I would like to give you a quick update for 2015. I'm really excited and happy to announce that I've officially taken on a sponsor and partner for the show, Jim Cookrell of the Author Marketing Institute, or you may know better the Author Marketing Club, reached out and wondered if I'd be interested in being a part of the new podcast network for authors he's setting up. To quote Jim, we love your podcast at AMI and we want to help you promote it through our network. Authors need more great content like this. And I'm really touched. Thank you, Jim, for those words. So welcome, Jim and AMI, to the podcast Moving Forward. To learn more about Jim and the Author Marketing Institute, just go to www.authormarketinginstitute.com. So now let me introduce our today's guest. His name is Chandler Bolch and he's a young hustling entrepreneur who ran $320k in businesses by age 20. He has written three best-selling books and he now works with aspiring entrepreneurs, speakers and coaches to help them go from book idea to bestseller in three months through his online program, Self Publishing School. Hello, Chandler, and welcome to the Right to Be Read podcast. I'm really happy to have you over. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Well, um, I know that you have uh, lots of things to share with my listeners. And uh, first of all, I would like you to explain how did you get into um, writing books, uh, into self-publishing, and all the things around that. Yeah, so... I kind of fell face first into it. <laughs> I never really thought I would uh, be writing books or be doing anything like that. And I actually considered myself to be a pretty horrible writer um, until I got started. But just I, I did a book with a friend and we basically went from book idea to bestseller in two and a half months. And we re went really quickly through the process and we put the book out there and Within the first month, the, the the first book brought in close to seven grand, and then continued to bring in two to three grand a month um, for a while after that, and really kept me afloat um, and, and and paid the bills for a little while there while I was just kind of getting started. And so that was when my eyes were kind of open to this this whole wor new world that I'd never really seen before. And I just remember being in I was traveling in Europe and. I was snowboarding a lot at the time and we put the book out and I remember talking to some friends and um, they heard about this book and they were like, they were asking me about it and we were on the chairlift and I just remember them asking, okay, well, how's it doing? Like, is it actually making any money? I just remember <laughs> just being able to say that I was like, well, we snowboarded all day yesterday and it made close to 400 bucks. <laughs> so it was like pretty amazing. Did they I, jump I, in and started writing books straight away? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they did or not. I think they were pretty impressed. And 
that's when I really realized, I was like, wow, I'm snowboarding and making money. Like, this is pretty cool. I could get used to this. You know, this is passive income. This is something that I always knew existed, but never really knew how to get there. Uh, so that's when my eyes were kind of open to it. Okay. And I presume it was a nonfiction book, right? Yes, ma'am, it was. Okay. So um, what do you think was the main key to success? How come it took off uh, immediately and uh, it, it did so well? Yeah, I think there were a, a few reasons. Um, wh- I mean, I think we we're a little lucky, to be honest, um, but... Other than that, we, we definitely did some a few things very well. We, we were very specific with our book. I think that's the biggest mistake people make is they go very broad. Mm-hmm. So they write a book. It's you know how to discover your passion and live the life of your dreams, which is very broad, right? I, I hear that book title or that subject, and I have no clue if I want to read it or not. We were very specific with our book. So, you know, you hear a lot of people make the mistake of being too broad and, you know, maybe they want to write a book. It's, it's how to, how to find your passion and, and live the life of your dreams. And you hear that book title and it's like, I don't know what that book's about or whether or not I want to read it or not. You know, maybe what you're really saying, like, um, I was working with someone on helping them kind of get more specific with their book, and they had something like that. And what we got down to was that she really wanted to write a book about, you know, how to quit the job you hate and start a small business you love. So it's like much more specific. So now I hear that, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I I want to I want to quit this job that I hate and and start a business. So yeah, I definitely need to read that book. So that's kind of what we did with our book. Is the first book was called The Productive Person. And it was a book that's productivity hacks and schedules for entrepreneurs. And so we knew exactly who we were writing to and we got, we got specific. And I think that's a big reason for uh, the book was so successful because we, we did a spin on something that a lot of people were writing about, but we, we went very specific with it. And there was a lot of competition in that market, but we didn't let that really scare us away because we knew we had a specific angle. And we took that and then we did a lot of just fundamental things to make sure that the book was discovered and ranked high and you know all those different things mm-hmm, i see so you you wrote it with a co-author you wrote that book together right mm-hmm. so how is i mean how, how do you organize the process is is writing with someone um one common book easier or harder uh, what are the specifics related to that because uh, many people have this stereotype that writing is a lonely process and you just go there somewhere isolated and and write your book by yourself and here apparently the process was completely different can you describe yeah that? it was and it's funny. It's it's. Uh, I don't know which one's more difficult, <laughs> but uh, writing a book with someone, I always talk about it. It's like trying to paint a picture, but having two hands on the paintbrush. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it can be difficult. Um, but what helped us is we kind of split it up, and we knew parts that we each could write well. And so we'd say, okay, you write this part, I write this part. And then we would come back and review each other's work. Mm -hmm. And that seemed to help as opposed to trying to write sentence by sentence together. Because that that can be just a very painful and difficult process. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one way we did it. And then another – so I wrote a different book um, with my brother. And we wrote 
uh, that book was about these 15 things our parents taught us growing up that we thought was pretty normal. Um, but when we got out in the real world, we realized that no one gets taught this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So for that book, we wrote different accounts of these same 15 things. So my brother wrote his version of the 15 things. I wrote mine. And I'm a business guy. He's a musician. So mm-hmm. we had two different takes. So that's another way to approach it. Um, and that's how – because we really wanted to operate like separate but together, right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of streamlined the creative process as much as possible. Yeah, I imagine. But uh, I can't – I mean, I've never written a book with anyone else. But uh, I have a feeling that it's it's a really fun thing to do. <laughs> it is fun. There's a, definitely a lot of collaboration and – stuff that just doesn't happen if you're doing it by yourself. You get unique takes and it, it, this, it's a lot of just great stuff happens when you do it together. Okay. So now when you have more than one book and you com- can compare things, um, do you think there is some kind of standard way of approaching things and you, you kind of you, you put it together, you follow the same steps and you get to the same successful result? Or each book has to be customized somehow and, and get some special treatment, let's say? Yeah, I mean... It- really depends how you look at it. We, we kind of have a three-step process that we, we follow, and it's, it's made the book writing process a lot easier for us. And I think it's one of those things that when you first start writing, most people are looking for a process or a formula or something like that, and those are very, very helpful. But then as you get into it, it that process or that formula kind of becomes intuition and you're not so much following along with it. it. It's just kind of happening automatically in your head, right? Okay. Yeah. So you follow the creative flow with the time. Exactly. And I'm, the one thing that helps, like if, if you're, if you're writing your first book or your next book, we, we go from my map to outline to write. Mm-hmm. And that's really helps us. So mind map, you write your book idea in the center of a page and then you, you branch off, you draw arrows and bubbles and all this, and you just write every thought and everything you have to say about this. And it just continues to branch out further and further and further. Mm-hmm. And then what we're able to do is, is organize those groups of thoughts into sections or chapters, and then you can start writing. And then we actually repeat that process over and over um, to, chapter by chapter. So one of the books we wrote in a week, and the reason we were able to do that so quickly is because we repeated that over and over. So we, we would take 12 minutes to mind map everything we knew about the chapter. Then we would take 12 minutes to outline it in a way that, so organize the way we wanted to say it. And then we would take like an hour and a half to write the chapter. And then we just repeat that process over and over again. And that really helped for writing quickly, but in an organized way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. I can imagine that it, it kind of uh, simplifies things a lot. And you, yeah. it, it kind of reduces the risk of getting stuck somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And what, I, what I've seen when I'm walking people through this process is that when you go through the mind map process, that's so important. Because you realize how much you actually have to say about your topic. You know, most people will go into that process thinking like, I have a book idea, but I don't really think it's, it's enough. I don't think I have enough to say to make it a full book. Mm-hmm. And by the time they get to the end of it, they're like, whoa, Chandler, 
I've got like four books. I got to figure out <laughs> which one I do need to write first. <laughs> yeah, true. So when you had the first book have such a success and just kind of it took off from the very beginning, uh, what were your expectations with the second one? And did you get the same kind of results or not? It, the expectations were definitely raised. <laughs> we we put it out the first, we put out the first one with low expectations, um, not really much expectations at all. And it's funny, I I actually like that that way of doing things a lot, a, a lot better because it's just way more fun. <laughs> you know, it's like as a writer, when you get more and more success, there becomes this pressure that blocks creativity. Right? Yeah. If you if you really let it get to you. Um, so I, I, I like that feeling of newness, but luckily with the first, with the second one, so it was a charity project. So that brought this whole nother level of just fun. And it was not for ourselves. It wasn't for making money. You know, we were doing this to make money for charity and it was buy one book, save one life kind of thing. And so for each book that was bought, um, it would save someone's life by buying them like a life-saving malaria pill. So uh-huh. it was a totally different take. And so that made it a lot more fun and made it a lot more new. And we were able to raise a bunch of money for charity that way. And that book continues to raise a bunch of money for charity. So that was kind of a fresh and exciting new take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. So uh, do you have any specific kind of plan that you follow when you launch your book? Are there like certain things that you do in in, in a certain way, one after the other before the, the launch and during the launch of the book? Yeah, so we have like a launch strategy that we use um, and the, that we teach and it, it kind of continues to evolve. But what we did when we first started is we followed the the free to paid model so you know we would list our book um, and run a free promo for two to three days and we would launch that promo we would get a ton of downloads we would market to all the free ebook sites uh, mm-hmm. and all that stuff and really pump a, a ton of volume in there get to the top of the charts um, and I'm I'm sure as your listeners may or may not know if they've listened to the show for a little while you know free and the paid charts are are totally exclusive. But what you do have is you have this three-hour time window when you switch from free to paid uh, where it's kind of like your money time. It's, it's a time where your book still shows up in the top of the free charts, but it's actually paid. And it's, the, it's like a, a couple hours that it takes Amazon to switch over where if you do your job really well and you get your book at high up in the charts – um, during the free period, that can really help your transition into paid. And we usually transition over at 99 cents because that's basically free. And people will see that and they'll say, hey, 99 cents, I'll just go ahead and buy it. And so what we'll do, a lot of people make the mistake of they let Amazon run its course and, and automatically switch over. And so it happens at 12 p.m. Pacific, which is on the West Coast and the United States, um, which is three in the morning on the East Coast in the United States, you know, and you can kind of calculate that to wherever else in the world. But so for us, our main audience is in the U.S. So we don't want it to switch over so that we don't want that three hour time period to be in the middle of the night when no one's buying books. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we manually stop it uh, in the middle of the day. So maybe 12 to three uh, Pacific. And so that way it's it's manually stopped and we switch over during a uh, uh, 
a, a good time when people are actually buying books. Um, and then we, we hold it at 99 cents for a week. Um, and then we'll go up and we'll kind of inch our way up to our price there. Um, and that's the basic strategy we, we followed for some of our books. Once you have a bigger audience, um, we recommend starting right in at 99 cents and you can really build some momentum that way. But then there's just like a bunch of other parts of our launch strategy that we use, you know, to get reviews, to target certain keywords, to make sure that we rank high for keywords, to figure out which categories that we can get in the top three of and, and target those categories, um, you know, to cross categorize, to kind of double your audience size. Like there's a lot of little things and I'm happy to dive into any of those if if you want to go into that stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, there are many people, especially the ones who don't have their audiences yet, yet and their readers yet. Um, many struggle with getting reviews for their books because uh, obviously if you have your audience already in place and if you have an email list and some better readers, it's much easier to, to approach that. But if you don't and you're starting from scratch, uh, what would you advise those people to do? Yeah, so for our first book, um, we got a lot of reviews really quickly. And what we did there is, you know, we tried to make people feel involved in our launch before the book actually was released. Mm -hmm. So we would give them early PDF copies of the book, get them checking it out. We would get people to vote on their favorite cover on Facebook mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, and, and just the more they felt involved, the more likely people were to leave a review, to share the book to, with their friends to buy it, to do all those things. And then when it actually came time to get reviews, um, we, we did personal reach outs. Um, what we also would do is, you know, you want to make it reversible. So most people, they want to leave you a review, but they feel like it's going to take a lot of time. So we would always just say, hey, you know, you can just leave a quick review and you can always go back and change it later. Mm -hmm. It's just a, that I, I have a review by this date like so it's actually set kind of a deadline mm -hmm. um if you do that they'll be much more likely to leave your review because they'll say oh he needs it by whatever date you set and so they'll do it um and then we also did personal videos so this takes a little bit of time but we had some great support from people so we would actually send them a, a 30 second video that was like hey thank you so much for your input on the book thank you for supporting my work you know, I'm really thankful for everything you've done to help me out. If you could do one thing, just go to this book, leave a review. That would be super helpful and just stuff like that. And we would even set goals. So like we want to have 50 reviews um, by X day or X holiday or by my birthday or, you know, just kind of fun mm -hmm. way to, to get people involved. And when there's a bigger goal, when they feel like they can help you reach a goal, they're all, they'll also be much more likely to, to help out because they're contributing to a bigger hold, not just I'm giving a review because you want one. I see. And where did you engage those people? Were they on some kind of Facebook groups or where did you get them? I mean, where where were you approaching them? So mostly, mostly through Facebook or just personal friends through family or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but we also, leading up to our book, we, we built a little pre-release list and I highly recommend this is we, we, this is what we, we said, Hey, if you want to get the book for free, go over to this site. And we just put, set up a super simple um, little email capture box. And that's where we could communicate them. So we could communicate with them via email as well. Mm -hmm. 
that's that's helpful too because you know people usually go to Facebook or social media if they want to goof off and waste time, but they go in their email inbox if they need to get things done. So they're in a different brain. Mm-hmm. So if you try to get them in Facebook, sometimes it doesn't always work. So if you if you hit them in their inbox, then they're more likely you know to hop over and you know go actually leave your review because they're in getting things done mode. Mm-hmm. I see. So how many books do you have now out there? We have three main books, and then I think we have two or three more. We'll have we're working on another one right now, um, but like three three main books. And all of them are in the same niche. Uh, kind of. So we we're highly focused in uh, productivity, time management. But then the other one is, I mean, it's in self help, but it's not it's not time management. And then the one we're working on right now is is about how to how to write and market books because that's what we teach. We run a course on that. So that, that we you know we've kind of been teaching a lot of people this program, and we we're finally like, well, hey, maybe we should just write a book about this as well. Okay, and when um. Y- y- you said you're teaching a course about this. Uh, obviously, you're getting first-hand uh, feedback from people. So what do you think the newbie writers are struggling with most in the very beginning? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'd say the first thing is nailing in on, on what they want to write about. And that's where the mind map process really helps. Then I would say it's it shifts over to being specific. So that that's the biggest thing I see people struggle with is they they think the more specific they get that they'll narrow off and cut off an audience and mm-hmm. people won't relate. But I've seen the exact opposite happen. So that's like always a struggle is just constantly pushing people to be more specific, and that helps. And then the next step is is actually pushing publish. So. A lot of times people are scared to, to just press publish and put it out there. So we really encourage them to just, you know, press publish. You can always change it later, right? You can change the subtitle. You can change the book cover. You can go back and re-edit it. You can add. You can, like, there's so many things you can do after the fact, but you're not going to learn from the process if you don't just press publish and put it out there as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think are their main fears for pushing that button? Is it writer's doubts or are they scared of bad reviews? Or what's like the biggest thing that holds him, them back? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone deep down inside has this fear that they're going to put out their work and it's going to flop and people are going to totally reject it and leave them bad reviews and make fun of them and, you know, whatever it might be. It's just kind of this fear because for a lot of people, it's the first time you put your work out into the world and there's this big fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also this fear along the lines of like, I don't know what to do to make this a success. So like, I think with our students, like that really helps is when we just tell them, hey, we have a proven formula that we've used over and over again and that we've taught. So like, if you just follow this, your book will be a bestseller. You know, so I think that alleviates some of the pressure, but there's there's still just this internal fear and struggle that you have to get over. That's like the rejection of your work. You know, the reality is you're probably working on a book because you want to help people. So if you just put, you know, if if you keep the book inside of you, and if you're, or if you even if you have it done, but you're not pressing publish, the book's not going to help anyone. You know, mm-hmm. 
So it does no one any good by not having it out there. And I think people realize once they press publish, they're like, wow, there's this sigh of relief of like, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. And and what do you advise how they should deal with bad reviews? Because once in a while, those will be coming anyway, no matter how good the book is. Yeah, you just have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember the first time I got a bad review, and it was over Christmas one year, and I was with my family, and we were traveling in Europe, and and I remember it was like two in the span of a couple weeks or something, and I was just crushed because <laughs> it's like I was like, oh man, this is this is so horrible. Uh, and you start questioning your work, you start, you know, all that stuff. But my brother really helped me with that. He's a musician. Uh, he plays in a rock and roll band called Need to Breathe. And they're, they're a pretty big band. And he's been in it for a while. And so he was just telling me, you know, you 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 got to ignore that and take it with a grain of salt and just know that everyone's experiences are different. So for every one person that's going to leave a bad review, you know, you've you've helped hundreds. So mm-hmm. just know that if you do a good job of writing your book and if you're specific and you take a stance and you make a strong point or a strong case like there's definitely going to be people that disagree with that or or that you know think differently so not to say that there's anything wrong with them but it's just the way it is so you know you have to just keep that in mind and know that you can't please everyone and i think what is that a bill cosby quote like there's no sure recipe for success, but there is a recipe for failure, and that's trying to please everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you try to please everyone, you'll never, you know, never do anything worth worth anything because it's your work is so compromised. So just don't let those those bad reviews get to your head. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. I mean, I was crushed by my first bad review too, and <laughs> <laughs> it was really kind of it. It, it it's it's a blow to your self-confidence and yeah. you know you, you you build that up until you reach the stage to hit that publish but then you get that review and it kind of you know hits you back <laughs> and mm-hmm. takes you back to where you started again but um but yeah i i agree that you know if uh, for me the approach is the following if it's a constructive criticism and something that is right and you can do something about that you know you should kind of try to cool down and and look at it objectively and yeah. if it's not then you know it's not worth the the mood swing and uh, you know <laughs> all the other things that come along with that you just forget and and you keep on doing what you're doing anyway yeah my advice would be don't don't write a heated response back oh yeah yeah that's (laughs) true like if you're gonna respond which there's there's conflicting theories on whether or not you should or you shouldn't and you have people like Gary Vaynerchuk who he responds to pretty much all of his negative reviews. And then you have some people who say you, you never want to respond to them because that just encourages more of them. You know, it, it's kind of your personal philosophy, but I think everyone can agree that you take the Abe Lincoln approach of, you know, like he would always, if, if he, if he was really mad about something, he would take a night to sleep on it or, take some time away from it and then come back and, and write a response. 
mm-hmm. if you choose to write one at all. Because if, if as soon as you read it, there's like this rage that comes over you, it's, especially if someone's <laughs> ripping you a new one. You know, it's like you just get really upset about it and your response won't be very good. And then that just leaves the door open for other people to just you know, s- chime into the conversation. So it's, yeah. I, I, I try to, if I feel like it's a valid review and it's really constructive, you know, like I'll thank them, tell them how much I'm, that this means to me and how I'm going to really take it into consideration and, you know, just try to take the humble approach because people seem to, to really resonate with it. And if they were just really rude and I come back really nice, then they actually feel pretty bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes them realize that, okay, this is another human being on the other side of this computer screen. Yeah, that's exactly the problem because I think that with the internet and with the computers and by the taking the fact that you don't see the other person, you end up allowing yourself telling things which you wouldn't if you were looking at that person's eyes. So, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> many people forget that, you know, behind each book, there is a, a human being who wrote that book and who t- takes it quite personal because that book has been, you know, lots of time and effort and, and dreams come true. So, yeah, Absolutely. but not not everyone realizes that. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that during your trainings you have um, you share with your students a proven formula which works so do you think that there is a formula which in in case they write a decent book will work every time and they will guaranteed end up in in the bestsellers list I do I mean it, it really is about how you position it and Obviously, there's caveats and and different things that you can do to make it successful. But I mean, we've kind of broken it down to the most simple formula we use, and I've yet to see it fail. And it's one of those things where if you if you do a few things really right, it's almost like you can screw up a lot of other stuff, and your your book can stu- still do well. Okay, so which are like the most important things that you just have to do right? Yeah, so a, a big part of that is positioning. So we talk about picking good categories and keywords inside the mm-hmm. the bookstore. I mean, then obviously you want to pick a topic that sells and you want to be specific. Then you want to so what a lot of people don't know is that, you know, around 60% of book sales go to the top 3 spots in in different categories and keywords. So we try to choose keywords that are being searched often and that are, aren't very competitive. So for instance, with our book, The Productive Person, there were two different options. So we had time management and we had productivity. And we, what we would, after doing some research, we realized that time management was very competitive. There's a lot of books named time management. It was, you know, getting things done, all those, the, like it was just really competitive. Productivity, on the other hand, wasn't as competitive. So uh-huh. we chose that that keyword and we really dialed in on that and we were able to kind of own that keyword and so that that really helped so being strategic there and then also with your categories you know we tried to choose categories that we could get into the top of and and we did and so we you know that's kind of for longevity and then we also make sure that we had five to ten reviews on on book launch day mm-hmm. and then we also you know really push to continually get reviews there um so that those could like that then we're showing up and Amazon's giving us 
you know, they're sending out emails on our behalf and stuff like that. And so like just positioning yourself each step of the way in a way that's going to make, make for success. And then not only that, but focusing on more than just the initial launch week. Mm -hmm. So can we say that if we make everything happen and end up in the top three spots of the category, we can snowboard and get money? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. Results may vary. (laughs) Okay, because I mean, that's something everyone would like to do. It's it's just, you know, I'm sure most of the people who are listening now would, you know, would love to be in that position. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it, the the Kindle store is becoming co- more competitive. I'm sure as you know mm-hmm. uh, than than it used to be. But the great thing is, like, a book is not just a book. You know, a book is a key that can unlock a lot of other things. So, what we really what we really try to focus on is, you know, we don't just focus on book royalties. We actually build a business off of it. So we've used our books to build email list to build out entire businesses to build courses you know to build other things as well and whether you're a local business whether you're someone who wants to be a speaker or a coach or really anything you know a book is a tool so you can really leverage your book uh, to to grow your business like crazy and that's where you can make even more money off of that Mm -hmm. okay yeah well i heard that these days like the book is one of the best business cards you can have. <laughs> <laughs> so. Exactly. It's a, if you think about it, like you would throw away a business card, but it's a lot harder to throw away a book, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and it kind of brings some kind of uh, credibility and reputation and, you know, people start looking at you more seriously and t- taking you seriously. And somehow it's a, it's a different way they, they look and uh, approach you somehow and they want to do business with you <laughs> yeah they 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 consider you being quite um, reputable and serious person <laughs> yeah and i always view a book as a book is like a full-time salesman that you have on staff right uh, it's always in the amazon store and at 24 7 it's in there selling you as someone people should do business with so it's one of those things where you do the work once and it's always working for you. I mean, it's bringing in royalties and that's great. But it's also people were able to read it, get your personal story. They're able to hear more about you. And that's when they can make the decision of, hey, I really want to do business with this guy. So it, it's your book is working on your behalf to sell yourself and your services and your products and whatever else. Yeah, I see. So how how long does it take in average for you to write one book? Is it like, do you have an average timeline or, or it depends on the book? I mean, it kind of depends on the book. We, um, the process we teach is, you know, we take people from book idea to bestseller in three months. Um, but so we, with the productive person, we went from book idea to bestseller in two and a half months. Um, one of our books that we wrote in a week, you know, that was like a really, really fast-paced writing. Um, I wrote that with my brother. That was like a 225-page book. Wow. Um, and obviously, we did the, the editing and stuff after that week, but like the bulk of the writing was done in a week. And so it really just depends. Um, but I mean, it, you have to pick a schedule that works for you. And I know a lot of writers write first thing in the morning, and they'll do their hour a day. And like for our students, what really changed for them is when they stopped trying to write all at once. 
Mm-hmm. So when they stopped trying to do four to six hour blocks because they would miss that time and then they would just continually got behind when they made it a goal to just, okay, I'm going to write 30 minutes every morning. The first thing I do mm-hmm. before I start my day, like when they started doing that, that's what we've seen is like most people actually start getting their books done and it's no longer a big book. It's just a small chunks of time and they start seeing their book come together and they're like, wow, this is, this is really moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Well, the reason I asked was because there are many people who kind of they, they bring different time frames, but many say that you should publish at least every three months or at least every four months or whatever it is. Do you think there is some kind of minimum period uh, where you, when you have to put new books out there? I mean, it depends on what your goal is and what you want to do. So one of our one of our students, she's, she's launched, I think, six, six books so far in the last few months. And so she wants, to be a, uh, she wants to be a writer and she wants to make her income from writing books. So for her, it's a, it's a book a month, maybe a little bit faster even. Um, and she's doing re- – her name's Lise Cartwright, and she's really killing it. And, you know, that, that's what her goal is. But for other people, it might be, I want to build a business off of this book. So they may only do one book a year and they're, they're using it to, to sell their products or services. You know, it really depends. You know, you have guys like, uh, Steve Scott too, you know, he's, Mm. he's doing a book a month or so. And I think he's even slowed down a little bit more now as, as he's maximizing revenue from, from other parts of his books or from other parts of, you know, his, his business model. But, you know, it really just kind of depends on uh, what what your end goal is and what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Well, before we wrap up, like if you had to give um, just one advice to a newbie writer who is just starting over and is kind of overwhelmed with all the information which he can find on internet and, you know, there are many, many things that, you know, are available over there and he kind of doesn't know what to pick and where to start, uh, what would you advise that person? That's a great question. I, I would say the biggest mistake you can do is to try to do everything. And my big piece of advice would be keep it simple. So you got to know what you're good at. Stick to that. Don't try to do everything. You know, you don't need to make a Twitter page, a, a Facebook author page, uh, you know, you, there's like a million ways to sell books. Don't try to do all of them. Just do one or two things really well and then just put it out there. Just press publish. Get your book out there because what you'll, you'll learn from, from finishing way more than you will from analyzing. So you can, you know, you can read everything, listen to all the advice you can get, but what's really, where you're really going to start learning is when you put that into action. So when you, you press publish, you're going to realize that, you know, we have a saying is like, don't try to perfect the, the product, you know, just finish the process. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you finish the process of writing a book, you can repeat that process over and over and over again. So don't get caught up in the individual book that you're working on. You know, it's about learning the process because when you focus on that, it takes a lot of the pressure off. And you'll actually get that book out there and then another and another and you'll start really see, seeing things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, thank you very much for spending this time with us. Thank you for coming over. Um, I really appreciate that and um, have a nice day. Thank you. That was it for today. You can check out today's episode show notes at www.anialexander.com slash 60. And uh, before I leave, I would like to remind you that I had uh, an exciting news and Right to be Read podcast now is part of the Author Marketing Podcast Network. So you can get lots of helpful information for authors on their website by visiting www.authormarketinginstitute.com. And before I leave, please, if you enjoy the podcast and don't want to miss anything important, go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. It will also help me with the podcast ratings and it will help grow the audience and help more authors. I wish you a very productive year. Keep on writing and I want to see your new books released in 2015. Take care and see you in the next episode. (laughs) 